Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real and honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm CJ, and this week I'm joined by Brett Talley. What up? Charlie Condor. Hey, friends. And Louis Lavoie. Hello, hello. Louis, it's great to have you back again. Yeah, thank you very much. And if you're a, a keen listener of the podcast, you might notice that Brett Talley is on this episode and I'm on this episode. And the, I don't Dueling know the host battle wow, wow, of the wow. host. Right. We just feel like this podcast needed two heads, two hosts. No, <laughs> um, no, we're we're flipping the tables around just a little bit, and Brett is actually sitting in as a panelist on this episode. And I, I can't tell if I got demoted or promoted. <laughs> it's it's definitely a promotion. <laughs> yes, because see, as the host, you you don't have to. You're you're a host because you don't know anything. You just ask questions. If you know too much, you become a panelist, and you, you've got you've got too much information that we, we have to get out of your brain, Brett. So we are about excited that. about today's episode. We are talking about finding success as a bivocational youth ministry leader. And uh, this is is a topic that we've heard about a whole bunch. We've gotten a lot of, honestly, requests to talk about this topic. And uh, I'm sure everybody knows what a bivocational youth ministry leader is. But if you don't, hey, this is somebody who works at a church and has another vocation, another job where maybe you're technically supposed to be part-time at the church, but we know that's not really it's not a true. thing, right? No such thing as part-time <laughs> so ministry, only part-time pay. Right. So maybe you're paid part-time at a church. Uh, you've got a, a part-time job on the side, or maybe you're a full-time vol- or a volunteer at the church. And you've got a full-time job on the side. Either way, that is a that can be a challenging situation yeah. for mm-hmm. any youth ministry leader to be in. And that's what we're talking about today, finding success in the midst of of uh, that dynamic. And before we get our conversation going, I did uh, pull up a few stats um, about, you know, the money side of things because, I mean, it comes down to money a lot of times. The reason you're bivocational is because Mm -hmm. you need need that that money money, right? Yeah. So the average youth worker salary, uh, at least in the United States, is about $38,000. Um, so that's kind of the average across the board. That's not bad, right? Uh, but and that's—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm assuming that's full time. Yep, forty plus hours salary, sort of a situation. Right. Yeah. So that's a yeah, the average salary for a youth ministry leader, youth ministry worker. But the the thing is, is that maybe if you're you know in a church plant or you're just in a smaller church right now or something like that. When you scale that down as far as the size of your church, that pay scales down quite a bit as well. So, you know, if your congregation is fit, you know, like 50 people, like it is a church plan or something like that, your salary, the average salary is $10,000. Yeah. If you're up to 100 members in your church, your salary is usually about $20,000. And if it, you know, bumps up to 250, now you're kind of in that. Yeah. Well, that, and most of the bivocational youth pastors that I know, it's not necessarily a like a salary situation it's hourly like you're mm, you're, you're yeah. keeping track of hours and to be honest it's probably somewhere between the 10 and 20 dollar range i guarantee there are some people out here that that get paid to do their their youth ministry job and it's like 10 dollars an hour and they're supposed to like it's the kind of thing where it's like all right you're supposed to work 20 hours but if they actually like wrote out what their hours were that they worked well the church wouldn't want to pay them way beyond that because then it's too much yeah. right one of my ministry assistants, he was that way. He was part-time hourly, and he began to work too many hours that the church was like, well, we're going to have to cut that, right? Because yeah. then the salary is too much. Yep. So basically, you're getting paid 
for that like 20 hours a week or 18 hours or whatever it ends up being. But of course, again, like we've said, youth ministry is very much not a, just a part-time gig. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's, it feels like full-time or it's usually a full-time work, even if it's part-time pay. Well, let's go ahead and uh, jump into it though. So in those situations, regardless of why uh, you're bivocational, um, there are some unique challenges and obstacles. And I love the group that we have here today because we do have Louis, whose full-time job is working with student pastors, youth leaders all over the country, uh, many of whom are bivocational, right? Yeah. And, and that looks lots of different ways. I mean, there's the, usually when you think of bivocation, you think of somebody has a full-time job and they're the student director at a church somewhere. But um, we also have lots of student directors that are maybe full-time college students, mm. but they're also the full-time student director at their church as a volunteer, yeah. but they're juggling both of those things. We have um, stay-at-home moms that that's their full-time gig, but they're also the student ministry director at their church, and they're doing that as a volunteer or as a very part-time Yeah, parent. and this is a little bit a little bit different, but there are full-time church employees that are bivocational youth pastors where Absolutely. it's like you're the worship leader and you're mm. also the student pastor, and you also need to make sure that you lead this Bible. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a reality for a lot of people too. Where I get my page, all my paycheck comes from the church. It's a full time salary, but you know I'm supposed to only spend 15 hours a week on youth ministry or, or whatever yeah. it is, and they're trying to figure out You're what in the, the world does this does this look well, like? Well, to justify the paycheck, you have so many roles within the church. Um, just goes back to the salary situation again. Yeah, I've even heard a lead pastor say before he's getting paid too much to just do students. And so they <laughs> add things to their yep. other yep. things to their job description. Yeah, well, Charlie, I'm really excited that you are with us today because you're actually living this life right now. You've lived it in a former life, which we can talk about as well. But like currently you work, you have a full-time job and you are a full-time volunteer youth ministry leader, right? Yeah, I get to volunteer in my church. And um, just this morning, guys, 6.30 a.m., boys Bible study at the old Chick-fil-A. Wow. It was a good time. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad I made it. <laughs> um, but yeah, my husband reminded me, and he's like, are you so far removed you don't remember the beginning of ministry? Where I really felt called into student ministry. And so I was still job sharing a position at a Christian school. I was waiting tables to make ends meet because my church paid me barely 20 hours. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's the same thing as an hourly. And if you hit too many hours, you don't get the paycheck. Yeah. Um, I felt so called to ministry though, that I knew I had to leave teaching and it was the only way that my church would give it a chance. They didn't believe that the student ministry position was a full-time paid position. And when you feel so called to something, right, right you will do what it takes to mm -hmm. get there. Um, and I kind of did forget those days, right? Because that was probably what, 15 years ago. And so now, after serving in the local church, I get to volunteer at my church as they search for a full-time youth pastor, and it is the hardest job I've ever had. Mm. How so? Well, okay, so I'm not paid, right? So there's no buy-in to anything that I say and or do, and I feel like the kids are always on the edge of their seat like... Well, are you leaving? Should I trust you? Just this morning at our Bible study, the boys were like, we just, they're seniors. 
and they just kind of feel like the church has abandoned them mm. because they haven't had a full-time youth pastor. Um, and they've really connected with me, but I think they're waiting for me not to be there. Yeah. So um, the whole volunteer youth pastor gig is absolutely the hardest. So there, there's almost some authority that you feel like that you lack because absolutely, like yeah. it's not just a paycheck thing, but it's yeah. kind of a it's a it's a role, it's a seat at the table, it's that sort of a that sort of a perspective and view from the congregation, from the ministry. Like, who are you? Yeah. Why do your opinions matter? Mm-hmm. Is she mm-hmm. even paid? So they view it as credibility or a stamp of approval from the church. Like this is the person that you can. I really feel that from, especially from the volunteer team, as I Mm -hmm. do trainings with them and huddles and I ask them to come to different things that they're not used to. Mm -hmm. They question that like, but I mean, you're just the volunteer (laughs) too, right? You have to do what you say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting obstacle that, you know, I, I think it's interesting because you did come from, you know, a full-time ministry. Hello, I then, was the person for years. Right. Why don't you want to <laughs> listen to me? I mean, I don't know, right? When yeah. you're the director of student ministry for 10 plus years, right? So you're at the same church and... Is that D- correct? No, I'm at a different okay, church. Okay, different church. Yeah, that I attend and then was asked to like, hey, you are you know how to do this. Can you help us out? Can you do it? Yeah. <laughs> So well, I've never that- even thought of that side of it. I've only thought of the balance of time, of just limited time. I've never thought about having to overcome yeah, the, the credibility pieces. of credibility and ownership. This, buy-in. This, yeah, this feeling like this is not permanent. You know, this is temporary. Well, I love to develop leaders. And so before um, I got really busy and I knew that I had things on my calendar, I developed a whole team of leaders, kind of poured into them, taught them how to communicate, really worked with a small group leader. So they have a really great infrastructure and they don't necessarily need like a top dog, right? Because they have all these amazing leaders, but gosh, they don't want to trust me. Mm -hmm. So So what other challenges and obstacles do we notice bivocational youth ministry leaders facing? Obviously, Charlie's brought one up. Louie, in your experience, what are you seeing? And then Brett, I know that obviously you work with uh, youth ministry leaders all the time and actually did a survey, you know, trying to learn some of these. survey. Trying to (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Trying to learn some of these details. Is that is that your survey voice? Well, it's like it's kind is of it, a nerdy thing. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to do a yeah. survey. Is but, that what you, you were know. doing outside with the clipboard earlier today? Yeah. You were walking up, uh, looking down yeah. the street, looking for bivocational youth ministry. Yeah. How'd that go? Not well. <laughs> Believe it or not, no, nobody was walking around today that, that is. But yeah, I did a survey that some of you filled out that gives us some, some good feedback, too, that's going to share some of your voices. So what are the obstacles and challenges that some of those survey results were? Yeah. Uh, so in, in the question that we were saying in regard to your personal life, health, and family, what are the hardest things? Every single answer was pretty much about, was about balance and it was about margin and it was about trying to handle. Cause you know, for most people, like we're saying, they've got at least a part-time, a lot of times a full-time salaried position outside of ministry. And we all know that, you know, the, the, the weight of ministry kind of falls in a couple different buckets. One of them is just time. It's just, it's just time consuming, especially with some of these churches that they're responsible for two, maybe even three programs in a week. Mm-hmm. And there's the expectation of, all right, you know, once a month or once every two months, we have to do this, you know, event outside of programming. So we know the time aspect of it, but there's also just the the spiritual burden of, of leading mm-hmm. a ministry mm-hmm. and the weight that that always has. I mean, like for me, like, I'm just not good at shutting those kind of things off. So yeah. when I'm cutting the grass, when I'm cleaning the dishes, like when I'm doing everything, it's it's still there. Sometimes it's more in the forefront than others. So it's not surprising for me to hear a lot of them say that the challenge is trying to figure out 
how to continue to invest in the relationships that matter, if that's mm-hmm. with friends and with family and with kids, and trying to have that balance in life in a physical way with time, but also in kind of an emotional way and in, you know, in a mental way, in a healthy way, that it's just really difficult to figure out what that, what that balance is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's the time aspect of, you know, there are a million different things you could do in student ministry, you know, and you can go to conferences and you can Mm -hmm. listen to podcasts like this and you can follow other student ministries on Instagram and you can say, oh, I'll try that, I'll try that, I'll try that. But every student director actually deals with this, but it's even magnified more for a bivocational um, youth director where they are really having to make a decision of what should I be doing with this limited amount of time? You know, how can I prioritize the things instead of doing everything? You know, what are some what are some tricks and what are some ways that I can save time with already done for you, you know, camps and resources or things yeah. like that? Like, what, how, how can I maximize everything so I'm getting the most out of the limited time that I have? Yep. Yeah. So Charlie, what about what about you? You you brought up the authority thing. Are you? I assume you're feeling this time balance thing. You know, you've got. I just think you've got two bosses, technically. You've got mm-hmm. two sets of coworkers. Right. You've got two sets of everything, two physical locations for your job, right? I want to, as a mom, this really hurts me to say this, um, but I wrote in my notes, I really don't remember third grade for my daughter. And I don't want that to be like an exaggeration. I honestly don't remember much of third grade. And I think that's the year that ministry was growing, right? And so it was definitely more than 20 hours a week and then still trying to wait tables, still trying to, you know, job share, teaching position. And my family really went on the back burner. So I think the biggest sacrifice was my daughter's third grade year in school. Mm. So the mom guilt's heavy, guys. The mom guilt is pretty heavy on that. But I would say having the two bosses, right? Having different sets of kids that you're pouring into, whether it was in the classroom, whether it was in ministry, and if you don't have a great team of volunteers, relationally in ministry, um, you're really missing a lot of things. So if you're show, if you need to show up at football games, do you show up at a football game to cheer on the kids that you're ministering, and you leave your family at home? Right? It's all those choices mm. and the tensions and the pulling. Where should I be? Yeah. And some of the other things that that I thought were awesome points in the survey that some people brought up is in regards to kind of the challenges of being bivocational uh, is the lack of connection you feel with other church staff. Uh, You know, they, they they talked about the fact that they can't show up to, you know, to staff meetings on a regular basis. They're not connected. And we all know, you know, when you are connected relationally with people, how much more trust there is, how much more leeway there is, how much more kind of, it's easier to believe the best in those situations. It's easier to say like, yeah, go, like that sounds like a big risk, but you know, go for it. Like you just don't have all of those things that I know that, that I have probably taken for granted as someone who is working full-time salary. Um, Another one going back to what you were saying, Charlie, the way that they worded it is that sometimes they feel like they're looked on as junior varsity. As they're not a they're not they're not a real pastor, you know they're just the part time. It's just mm-hmm. JV. Like maybe one of these days, you know they'll make it to the team, but they're not quite. Well, there I think yet. you feel that too because they don't value the position or the ministry enough to bring you on the team full time, right? To make mm. you varsity, to give you a paycheck that feeds your family. Yeah, I think I felt that tension a lot as a woman in ministry too, mm. because I have a husband. Doesn't your husband work? I mean, do we have to continue to pay you? I yeah. mean, doesn't your husband have a job? But yes, and yet I need an income as well. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that has come up a lot. I know um, 
uh, of a female friend that was acting as the family ministry director of her church as a volunteer and did it for several years. And then at some point the conversation came up and her leader said, oh, you want to get paid? <laughs> and she was like, uh, yeah, that would be nice. You know, compensation for all my time. And I was going to say, it's not even necessarily like a financial thing, but they're like, you're saying there, sometimes there's just that credibility or like for yourself, there's just that, you know, someone actually paying you because they value your gifts and your passion and how yeah. you're leading. Like there's just an internal validation, regardless of the external validation that comes with that, that that just means something when mm-hmm. we're trying to lead. We right? don't want to feel less than right. in any any piece of your life. You never want to feel less than. And I, yeah, I just imagine it affects the way you see yourself and mm-hmm. the way you see, you know, the value, obviously, like you're saying, you bring to the ministry. Charlie, you seem like a very, very confident person sitting here right now. Well, but thanks. Did you, do you slash did you, you know, back when you were first starting ever, did, did being bivocational affect the way that you saw yourself back then? Like, okay, I'm trying to get into ministry, but I'm bivocational. Like, did that affect the way you saw yourself in your future in ministry at all? I was very lucky because I had senior leadership that believed in me and believed in the way that I did ministry. I think my story is really different because I didn't grow up in church. And the first youth ministry I'd ever went to was my own. I never went to summer camp until I took my kids to summer camp and it was so (laughs) exciting. So anyway, um, it was different for me, right? So that aspect is probably a little bit different. And I think if I didn't have a senior pastor who believed in me, who trusted me and kept pushing me, man, whew, that would be super mm. hard, right? Because again, you're not part of the team and they're not bringing you on. And I've met a lot of youth workers over the years that that not being brought onto the team full-time led to them quitting. Mm. Yeah, And I think that's hard because they really did feel called to that. Like you could hear the passion in their voice, but they were just so let down by their churches. Well, it sounds like you had uh, some great leadership in that season and in that moment. And I think that you know, this is not in our notes or anything, but like I'm almost th- sitting here thinking part of this conversation might be for someone who works with somebody who's bivocational mm-hmm. as well, who's right. just a listener of this podcast, where I'd imagine that if you're wrestling with the value you bring to a ministry and you are bivocational, that some of those feelings would be alleviated or at least, you know, something like that if the church and your leadership is communicating how much value you are bringing. And it, the, the conversation sounds different if, and the feelings are different if, it's like, hey, I know you're bivocational. I know that you're not getting paid a full-time salary. We want to get there. We're, we're working to get yeah. there. We're growing. And so we appreciate what you're doing right now, and this is what we can do right now, versus it's just there's a void of communication, and you're just wondering where your bivocational status and paycheck is leading. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think, think a, so. I think a DTR, a define the relationship for yeah. this, mm-hmm. is huge. And I know I've talked to uh, several guys and girls about this before, that they, f- they felt in the dark when it comes to this, they were just like, I don't know, is this just how it is? Is this what my life is always going to yeah. be? Or or should I go to my leader and ask, is there a a plan? Is there a six-month plan, a year plan? Where is this going? And and I'm like, yes, you should go have that conversation so that both parties know where each other are coming from. Yeah. And I, I've, uh, for me, to be honest, thinking about this episode and kind of preparing for this episode has kind of convicted the way that I feel like I've probably interacted with bivocational youth pastors in my in my time of ministry. I mean, you know, when when you know I was on staff full time, the kind of people that I would reach out to, that I would be hanging out with, that you know, be getting together, talk about ministry, that I would invite into those circles, they were probably all full time youth pastors like like I was. Whether you know whether I just didn't I didn't 
I figured they probably didn't have time or maybe I asked once and they said they, you know, oh, I, I can't because of this and I didn't want to make them feel guilty by keep mm-hmm. asking and they have to keep saying no. But I, I'm, I'm positive that there are bivocational youth pastors that I've missed out on something in my relationships and ministry because I haven't probably viewed them at the the same level of of, yeah. of of ministry. That's probably a fair a fair critique of my time. Yeah. And that goes that impacts the overall enjoyment of what they're getting to do. Like right. going along with what you said earlier about not being around the office as much or something like that with other staff. Probably the only times they're talking and interacting with staff is in an official way, like this meeting about this thing. Yep. They don't get any of the side conversations, hallway yep. conversations. They may not be in all the um, staff meetings where there's, you know, just talk about life, yeah, you know, yeah. before and after. They may not get to go on that staff retreat, you know, what, whatever that stuff looks like. They're they're only doing the business, you know, right. nuts mm-hmm. and bolts side of what they're doing all the time. And so that just can become a, a very weary place, yeah. I'm sure. It makes me wonder, like, what the retention rate is for bivocational youth pastors. Hmm. I'm just curious. Yeah, how long, how, what the almost average tenure is in yep. that kind of role. Because, I mean, it is, I mean, I think the stats are out there that the average youth ministry, you know, tenure is like three years, right? Or something like that. I thought it was like 18 it to was, 24 months. Oh, yeah. is it? Okay, 18 to 24 months. I mean, months. you'll find whatever stat you want to, and there's a lot of different parameters. But yeah, it's not as long as we would probably all agree mm-hmm. is is what is most healthy. I, I would wonder, is it yeah. lower or higher? Are those people more determined or are they burning out quicker? You know, mm-hmm. it is, that's an interesting... Well, and, and there's also, this is, I don't have any statistics with this, but I'm going to assume that there's a higher rate of bivocational youth pastors that that are leading their home church's youth ministry. Like that this is the church that they've gone to for a long time oh, yeah. and somebody mm-hmm. left and they said, hey, you know, would you be willing to kind of take take the mantle mm-hmm. here? And so then there's probably that even added tension of, wait, like I'm burning out, but they told me I was going to be the interim youth pastor four years ago. I'm still the interim youth pastor. They're not paying me. This is my home church. I can't leave my, like what mm-hmm. does, so there's like a whole other level when That's it comes good. to, and again, I'm, you know, I don't have any any data that that happens more often than not, but I guarantee somebody's listening. That's probably like, yep. Like, yeah, I was, I was, you know, I was a volunteer small group leader. They asked me to take over the whole thing and I'm burning out and I don't have any idea how to, I can't leave. I mean, this is the only church that I've, I don't know. Yeah. So obviously we're talking a whole lot about the challenges and obstacles, but of course there is a flip side to this. There's a flip side to this pancake, as they say in the pancake business. (laughs) I didn't, oh, right. I haven't been. In, there's a flip side to this pancake. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that's called a that's called a turn or a segue or something. So let's. Hey, I don't need you, Brett. Hey, man, cr- critiquing my <laughs> right hosting ability. Down. That's gonna pop up again in another episode. So there's a flip side to this, and there are some benefits to being bivocational, right, Charlie? Yeah, I mean the flexibility is great, right? Because you're not tied to that twenty four seven. Um, so even though like you're getting paid 20 hours and I know sometimes it might be a little bit more than that, but there is flexibility to do other things. I also think the benefit is that you're saying yes to a calling and that what God has really put in your path. And so I think the the plus side would be that it becomes full time for some folks, if that's really what your hope mm-hmm. is and your prayer is for that to be in your life. Um, I thought I think it gives an opportunity for people who are maybe dipping their toe in the water of their calling too, yeah. 
Yeah, to kind of start yeah. moving in the direction of where they think God wants them to be. So I think there's some great benefits to the bivocational side. Yeah. Yeah, some some of you responded in this survey that I think are some some great thoughts. Uh, I get to engage in the non-church world a lot. I mean, if I think about my time in full-time ministry, I mean, you're at the office however many teen hours, and, you know, like there's just, your world is just church world. It's so easy to fall into that. And they have kind of these built-in mechanisms where they get to engage in in the world a little well, bit. Well, I think that's a healthy often. thing too, Absolutely. right? So you get to see other perspectives outside of the church. Walls. And I feel like I've seen more and more, had more and more conversations with full-time vocational youth pastors who are saying, "I'm trying to get in the schools as a substitute teacher. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to do some things to force myself to get outside of this bubble. Um, a change of pace and landscape. I mean, there are, there are some people that just aren't wired." to work at a church full time, but are killer youth leaders and youth pastors and youth workers. And so it's it just kind of fits the way that they're wired to be over here and doing this job and then to turn to, to flip the pancake to the other side of the pancake yeah, yeah, yeah. and then get to go over here and do ministry. Another piece of that that somebody said is not having to do everything. There is this misconception that we have in the church that we hire pastors to do ministry rather than what I believe is kind of the real call of what pastors are is to cast vision, to build up other people to do the ministry. And so when you're when you don't get paid at all or when you only get paid part time, some you know there is there's that tension there because you mm-hmm. are considered JV sometimes and there is that validation that sometimes doesn't exist in some ways mm-hmm. but it also creates a situation where you might have a little bit more leverage to say hey I can't I can't do it all like I'm mm-hmm. they got me here 10 hours a week or I don't get paid I don't get paid for this at all and so sometimes that creates a little bit more energy around like other people Some stepping ownership up and being to the willing ministry. exactly yeah yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that. The bivocational situations I have seen, um, those leaders were forced to really build teams, recruit other people that had their students involved and student leadership, you know, things like that. And they were able to do the things that actually we all should be doing, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And those are some of the ministries I've seen with the most buy-in from volunteers, more uh, leadership and relationships spread out throughout the ministry. I've seen some places where they have a full-time person and then I go visit and they're the ones running around doing everything. And, um, you know, it's almost like, what were you doing all week? You know, you waited till right now to do other stuff. You could have been, but because they worked there and they didn't have to give the things away, they didn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I see that as a huge benefit that it forces you to actually build in some cases a healthier ministry than you would if you were just alone full-time. Totally can. Charlie, I see you nodding your head. Do you? Is that well, I totally agree with that because experience? when you coach other youth pastors and they, I don't want to say they're lazy, but they do wait till the last minute to do things. They're not building teams because like they're the only one. But when you have another responsibility and another job, man, your team is key. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have you have less of an option to keep it all to yourself. Right. You 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 have to give some leadership mm-hmm. away. Now, Charlie, do you notice anything? Because I did a little bit of reading, you know, blogs and all that kind of stuff, and some others are saying, you know, the bivocational thing is great because it keeps you out of like your church politics or drama. Uh, you're a little bit braver to speak up, you know, in your church because your job slash you know full time salary right. is not on the line. Do you, do you feel any of that? I know you're a pretty brave person. 
but you know. No, but I think in ministry that's so true. You don't always want to know how the hot dog is made, right? Because I love hot dogs and I don't always want to know how they're made. You don't always want to know how the pancake gets flipped. Right. You don't want to know those things. And that's right. When you're bivocational, you don't have to be in all the gossip and all the yuck that sometimes happens behind closed doors. And so you can be removed from that. And then when I came on staff full time, I think I had a pretty good set of legs underneath me because I hadn't been involved in that. And I was like, no, 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 that doesn't work. No, no, I think this would work better. And I had a bigger voice, I think. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So there is that like, okay, yeah, you don't have maybe the relational equity that you Mm -hmm. always want or authority, but then there is that very unique flip side too, that you avoid some of the conflict and drama and, you know, the hot dogs. The hot dogs. (laughs) So let's let's talk about, let's really get into it here. Let's talk about what does it look like to find success as a bivocational youth leader. But to get to that, I think we have to talk about how a bivocational leader's role looks different from a full-time youth leader's role. So what is a bivocational youth leader doing more of? What are they doing less of? What do they need to be delegating uh, to, you know, put them on that road to you know, success as that youth leader? Yeah, I think it 100% depends on the makeup and the wiring of that individual person. Um, I've seen people that they kind of focus more on like the speaking side and they delegate a lot of the leading leaders and logistics with events and, and things like that. But I've seen other people that that's what they're good at and they handle a lot of the logistics and they f- recruit and find other people to do a lot of the speaking and hosting and, and things, like, things like that. So it really depends on whatever that person is good at and passionate about and what brings them life. And then mm-hmm. recruiting and finding other people in the church and around them to that are passionate about other things and, and wired to love and to do other things well and just build that team around them so that it's complimentary. Yeah. So we, I mean, we'd all agree that how vital it is in life in general, but you know, in ministry and leadership, it is for us to understand how we're wired, what what our what our gifts are, what our sweet spot is. But I hear what you're saying, like even more so, I could see how that is more valuable to someone in that role to to be able to know. Nope, these are the things I do. I've got to develop. I've got to delegate. Yeah, I think it's a very important thing to do if you haven't done it is to just do the old school build out the ideal org chart. Yeah. Of every if you could if you could quote hire a bunch of people and or recruit a bunch of people and have them do all the things that you think would make your ministry healthy. Build that out, write it all out with your name in every slot to begin with, and then over time, slowly back yourself out, recruit people, train them up, and build those teams um, to make all those things work, hopefully over time, where you are filling less and less of those spots so that you're able to have a team of people that are filling in those gaps. Yes, that's great. So Charlie, you know, when you made the shift from full-time ministry to bivocational, you know, now, uh, so what do you find yourself doing more of and doing less of than, you know, how, how are your roles different? So you have a very unique perspective in that way. Yeah, for me, the hours that I can give to being the volunteer youth pastor is spent recruiting and having coffee with people in the church who can carry on the ministry when I'm not there. The downside of that is I wish I could have more breakfasts, more breakfasts. I wish I could have more breakfast with students, more pancakes (laughs) with students. But really, it's the relational piece that I miss, right? Getting to hang out with the students, getting to know who they are. 
but my hours are better spent recruiting and training mm. other people. I love to speak, but I know that that takes a lot of time and I don't necessarily have the time to give to creating a good message. So I've spent a lot of time training other people to give the message and using tools to do that. And it's just, even though I love it, right? Like if I could write my name by that, I would, but I don't have time because I have a full-time job right now. And I'm, since I'm just the volunteer, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, kind of what I'm hearing is, you know, this idea of return on investment. Yeah. And mm-hmm. how much more important it is to be strategic when your time is is limited. I mean, right. all of our time is limited, even you know, even if we're full time, whatever. But in those situations, you've got to be so strategic on what what can I do that it's going to have the greatest return mm-hmm. on investment. You know, one of the things that 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 I would kind of throw into this is this idea of uh, being a curator, not a creator. I think that so often there is an unhealthy weight that we put on ourselves to create things that we want to be using in ministry. Yep. And I think that this is true across the board, but probably even more so in the bivocational sense. I mean, earlier, Louis, you talked about finding resources, you, you know, camp in a box, things mm-hmm. that have already been done and proven. And then your job is not to have to create all of those things from the ground up, yeah. but yours is to curate, to use the context and the, you know, the knowledge that you know about your students and about your community to find the thing that's gonna work best for you and then to contextualize it, to customize it so that it works best in your group. So whether that is you know, with curriculum, which obviously you know, we're pretty biased about, or whether it's you know, resources to develop leaders or mm-hmm. how to recruit yes. leaders, or you know, when it comes to student leaders, what, what, whatever it is, how can I re- how can I get a better return on my investment to increase my impact by not having to spend as much time mm-hmm. feeling like I've got to develop things when really I can just be a curator and then I can contextualize? I totally agree. I think there's a big pressure out there to feel like you are creating something from scratch or that's what they're paying me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But I think there's a big mindset where I've seen people be able to overcome that and go, no, I'm a curator like you're talking about. Or I don't have to create this stuff from scratch. I've, I've seen people partner with uh, larger churches that have more staff and resources and, and ask them, is it okay if I just follow along a year behind what you did and just get what the, oh, that's the song list, the games, the supply, like just follow along behind. Obviously, you wouldn't do that wholesale. There would be some changes that you need to make and, and contextualize it for your own situation. But yep. at least you're starting with something yeah, that's great. besides a blank page and a blinking cursor. You know, So right. that stuff is very helpful. <laughs> Man, that's a really, really good tip. Now, Charlie, I want to get a little bit more personal here. Okay, so deep, deep breath. breath. Deep okay, I'm ready. Time with Chuck. <laughs> deep thoughts. So, <laughs> obviously, this whole conversation, finding success as a bivocational youth leader. How do you personally define success right now in your current season? What does success look like for you as you're living this week in and week out? I love being able to walk in on a Sunday night and not have been there in a few weeks, right? Because I have another job and it keeps me pretty busy, but you walk in the door and everything is still smooth. Everything is still running. Kids are still being led to Christ and, and it's all these pieces that are still moving and happening. And I didn't even have to be there. So what I was doing on the backside of it is paying off on the front side um, so that my time was spent well with the leaders. My time was spent well with creating a speaker team. And while I don't get to build the personal relationships, it's amazing to see a church still run and you don't have to be at the helm of it. Mm. 
That's super great. So success for you is not, okay, I got to spend time with all of my students this week. I wish that was it, but that's not necessarily true. Right. Which might be, a. I mean, that that is a little bit different of a definition of success than maybe some other leaders. Yeah. You really have to change your mindset though, because if you are bivocational and I have a full-time job that keeps me, it keeps me really busy. Right. Right. And gosh, success is not being on the stage every week. Success is not being at every breakfast and success is not just being there all the time. Success for me is creating a team that can do all those things. Um, just because I know I can't. Yeah. And then still you found time this morning to meet with a group of guys at six thirty. So you had you still there. You had a little. I try bit. to work it yeah. in when I can. Right? But that's not your definition of success. It's is not making all those breakfasts. And it's so great to hear what they did with their small group leader this week. It's great to hear that they're running an entire event, and I didn't even have to be at it because those people are so equipped to do what they do, and I got to do what I do was to equip them. So. Brett, in the survey that you put out there, what responses did you get uh, as an answer to what does success look like? Yeah, you know, from from what I'm seeing, success is the same thing, whether we're full time, whether we're part time, whether we're we're volunteer. I mean, we we want to have some sort of influence in you know the the faith of the next generation. We want them to have uh, a good, a healthy understanding of who God is, what God wants for them, and they they want those students to be in relationship with them. Um, how to how to go about that sometimes is where there's the shift that has to do with I just don't have as much you know the it's it's really a resource question whether it's a time resource, whether it's a budget resource, whatever it is. I've just got to figure out I've got to figure out how to reach this success piece, how to reach these goals with only 20 hours in the week or, or whatever it is. And so it does come down to a lot of, you know, there's more urgency for me to delegate, for me mm-hmm. to pass things on, for me to build teams, for me to curate, not create, all of all of those kind of things. And Louie, if you're sitting across from one of, one of the pastors, one of the student leaders that you're working with, and they're saying, hey, I'm trying to figure out how do I define success personally and in my ministry, what are you speaking into them over that cup of coffee? Yeah, I mean... We've touched on a little bit, but I think, and it's what Charlie is experiencing right now. I think it's it's getting things done through other people. It's losing that whatever that in us ego that wants yeah. to be the person, mm-hmm. or just guilt. You're guilted into thinking that's what they hired me to do. You know, I, I, how can I ask somebody else to do it? They're they're asking me to do it, and I'm asking somebody else to right. do it. But in reality, that's what they put you in charge to do is to ask a lot of someone else's to do all the things um, that lead to, you know, strengthening the faith of the next generation. Yeah. Or to invite them to. That's, I mean, that's something that Mm -hmm. I always Mm -hmm. really struggled with is because you'd get those people that are like, wait, didn't we ask you, pay you to do this? And then you start thinking like, yeah, well, maybe they did. But, you know, we're like, it's that, it's just that whole mind shift of, I'm not asking you to do something so I don't have to do it. I'm inviting you to be a part of what God is doing here and having, you know, having an opportunity to influence the next generation. I always struggled with that. I think for me, not growing up in the church and not seeing a youth ministry in action has been very beneficial to me. Because when someone said to me, well, we've hired you to do all the things, I think my head kind of spins around a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. really? Because don't you want to be a part of this? Because yeah. this is amazing. Like, I've given up my career and my job just so I could be a part of this. And you get to do this too. Yeah. And so I think it's just changing your mindset a little bit on what you think a youth ministry is supposed to look like. Yeah. I think what made that change for me in my mindset 
was I was my first job. I was uh, working at a church and they did not even I was part time, bivocational, however you want to say it. They did not even give me the paycheck. They just made my paycheck out to the uh, seminary that I was going to. <laughs> they just paid my tuition. So I didn't even get anything from them. I had to work at a bank also um, in addition to that. But so I had limited time. And I remember I asked, I felt so guilty. I thought they they put me in this position to do all the things. And somebody encouraged me to ask someone in our church to help out with this one small thing. And she was a stay-at-home mom. And I asked her if she would come up and help out with this thing. And she was so grateful. She thanked me for asking uh, her and then she did it. And then she thanked me for asking her again. And then she Mm -hmm. told me, if you ever need anything like this again, let me know. And at that time, my mind just did a 180. I was like, oh, I'm robbing other people of things they could be doing to help out this ministry by holding it all myself. That's great. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm hearing is if you're bivocational and you know, if you're you know, getting paid part time, or you're you know getting paid for twenty hours, or how, or maybe you're volunteering like Charlie is. I think the takeaway is you're not expected to take it all on yourself. That if you are struggling, or if you're trying to figure out what does success look like, your first your first step this week might be to, to lay out. Okay, this is what I'm in charge of. This is what I can do. Now I need to give some yeah. opportunities to some other people. You know, and and going along with that, it's not only finding others in your church that you can recruit and build teams with. But I think a big opportunity that's out there, I've seen some people do well, and um, sometimes I scratch my head and wonder why more people aren't doing it um, that are in this situation, is finding and forming a network of other churches that are in this Mm. similar situation and sharing, sharing, sharing. I mean, sharing everything from sets, you know, maybe four churches in an area build some kind of sets or decorations for their stage area, and then they all, every quarter, they all rotate, you know, they all go to the next church, or maybe it's um, sharing game supplies, like you do this game this week, I'll do this game this week and then next week we'll swap you know in all kinds of different ways just to take advantage of time where somebody else is going out and buying those supplies and thinking up the rules of that game and then they just hand it to you to do it the next week everything from planning center accounts and and spotify accounts and playlists and all those kinds of things i think churches could collaborate a lot more and it said so many times they sit by themselves and go and think about, oh man, I'm I'm so limited because I'm bivocational, but not understand that there's so much power in collaborating and networking yeah. with other churches, whether they're local or other other churches. So much can be shared digitally now. You could be collaborating with churches yeah. around the country. Yeah, you weren't meant to do ministry alone. None of us were mm-hmm. meant right. to do ministry alone. And uh, I think it's just the the it's. Like you were saying earlier, Brett, it's even more important if you are bivocational to be strategic about that and uh, make sure you really aren't doing ministry alone because it will. Going back to what Charlie said, you know, toward the beginning, it if you don't get that part right, it will take a toll somewhere, yep. and it will end up affecting you know your family or your own personal health or something like that. And I don't think that's what God's calling us to do. Right. Yep. So. Well, this has been a great conversation, but we don't want it to stop here. If you're bivocational or if you know somebody who's bivocational, we want to keep the conversation going. And the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. And you can find a link to that in our show notes at rethinkingym.org. We can't wait to hear your thoughts there. Until next time, thanks for listening.